welcome to this episode of Talking It Out About. This week I am chatting to Hamish, who is a physio who has worked with numerous um, with FND in his career, and he's very kindly agreed to come and talk to me and answer some of your questions that you have that you'd want to ask a physio in relation to FND. So welcome Hamish to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Grateful to be asked. Well, You'll say that now. We'll see how you feel at the end when I've asked you all the questions I've got. <laughs> Obviously, we'll just start from kind of the beginning and then see where we go. So when you first get a referral through for a patient that has FND, how do you identify where to begin with that? Obviously, with FND, you can have a multiple of, multiple different um, physical symptoms and things like that. So how do you work out, if they've got a couple of physical symptoms, where to begin with that? Sure. Um, it's, it's a tricky one, really, um, and something I'm probably still sort of figuring out a bit, really. I, um, mm-hmm. my, my kind of experience with FND has really been over the last kind of year or two. Um, after um, my colleague um, asked me if I would be um, sort of happy to, to help him with, um, he was a psychologist and asked me if I, I, I'd be happy to sort of help manage one of the patients that he'd been seeing. Um, and so I've kind of, sort of dipped into it into it that way and sort of gradually tried to, to increase my knowledge and sort of understanding of things really. Um, my background is very much in kind of pain management. So I've used a very similar approach with, with how I kind of um, assess patients from, from that aspect, really, which is to try and stay as collaborative as, as possible, really, with, with the patient. So I guess the first thing would be to, to very much kind of sit down and, and chat with them and find out as much as I can from them about about their sort of journey that's led them to, to where um, they've got to sort of me and find out mm-hmm. kind of what's gone well and what hasn't gone so well, what things are sort of they're finding easy to do and what find, things they're finding more difficult to do. Um, and I think the biggest thing is, is, is to try and get from them a feeling or, or sort of try and get, if they can, sort of more specific goals from them really about what they want from me. Um, so rather than me dictate what I think we should work on, um, so a large part of what we do here from a pain management side of things is about finding out actually what does the patient want, what do they want help and support with, because it may be very different to what either the person referring them into the service thinks it should be or, or what I maybe think we should should work on. So I guess the first point of call to say is, is chat to them and seeing what they want, where do they want to focus our efforts. That's really reassuring to hear because I, uh, within um, my social media in the FND community, I've had so many stories of people who have gone to a physio and they've said, right, we're just going to do this. And they haven't asked what the patient Hmm. wants to, like not improve, but what the patient would like out of the sessions. So it's really reassuring to know that there are physios out there that are going, actually, yes, I might have the knowledge, but you're the one that's, affected by this on a day-to-day basis like how can I help you make that better that's really reassuring to hear definitely I think it's got to come from the patient because at the end of the day I know a large barrier of sort of physio is people finding the time or the motivation or to actually then go in and do the hard work that we've suggested Mm -hmm. and 
it's far easier if people feel that that's linked to something that they're really keen to to do rather than it just being kind of complete this sheet of exercises that don't really feel like they have much meaning to to them so um, Mm. really really important i should make clear i mean so before i started working where i work now i've been here about six years or so now so probably would have been very similar to that and I think some of that comes down to we have the luxury of time here a little bit more and um, so our appointments are a lot longer so actually have that ability to to sort of sit down and chat a lot more especially at that first appointment but actually I think that's something if there are any physios that sort of listening it would be something I would really encourage is actually to use that time of those first couple of of meetings to really develop that kind of rapport and understanding um, Mm. rather than feeling that you have to dive in straight away and and start trying to to change things. Um, Actually, I think your time is best spent, say, initially finding out what it is and and setting some goals about what you want to kind of tackle. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think from the patient side, actually having someone who's willing to take that time to listen to you, um, really reassures you and and I, I always used to say like it ha- it makes me think that you're on my recovery train like that's how I phrased it like yeah, you're on the train with me or you're yeah. not on the train like yeah. and to know that people there are people there are physios out there that will listen and want to work with you in that collaborative state is really reassuring and I'm sure the listeners will find that really reassuring that actually whilst there may be some physios out there that haven't quite got that balance right there are physios out there that do want to work collaboratively and do it in that manner and I think a big part of that is as you say is that kind of trust between the patient and the clinician and you know the number of patients um, that we see both say from an FND but also from a pain point of view is is feeling that they're believed or kind of understood or Mm. um, that they're taken seriously as well and and yeah, I think, you know, you've got to build up that, that trust because I think a lot of time people haven't necessarily, unfortunately, always had the best journey to to the point where they get to us and they may have mm-hmm. had different clinicians that have been unhelpful in sort of what they've said or the way that they've phrased things. So I think actually, you know, sometimes trying to, to reassure people that you are, as you say, on their train, um, on their side and, and, and actually going to be there to support them and aren't just going to sort of ditch them at the, at the first opportunity or whatever else as well. Yeah, and I think it's also about um, the language that's used around in those conversations. I know that I had an experience when I was first in hospital where a physio did unfortunately phrase something that wasn't what I needed here. Was It was something along the lines of why are you choosing to walk like that? And as a patient who's going through something that's very traumatic, to be greeted by um, a medical professional who greets you with, why are you choosing to walk like that? It's really hard. And I think that's something to be really aware of, that those little things that you might say, like as a quip, as like a very quick phrase, actually can lead the patient to feel like you're not on their recovery train. I'm going to stick with the train metaphor because I like it. Um, But it's very hard. And I understand that the NHS is under a lot of pressure. There's a lot going on. But I think it's about being aware of how you're saying something and what that could impact the patient with, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it's so easy, as you say, just to to say something offhand and 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 sort of not think enough about the the implications or how that might be sort of taken by the other person. And again, I think certainly from a pain that sort of working with chronic pain. Um, again, I know a lot of patients there. There's a sort of similar sort of stigma in terms of not being believed and. Mm. The, 
things are maybe in their head or, or whatever. And so I think the two fields sort of cross over in that um, manner in terms of the way that messages are sometimes just delivered poorly by healthcare professionals and not always intentionally, but just not, not enough thought is given to how we word things. Um, and actually, it's, as you say, so, so important because one phrase given in the wrong way, as you say, it can, can just cause that, you know, to switch off from them straight away. Can't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think for a lot of people with FND, they have the physical symptoms, whether that's walking or um, paralysis or whatever it might be. And I think it's very important that that inter those interactions they have with the medical professionals are positive ones, so that they know that they're on their train to recovery and that they want to help them. It's not a judgmental process that's be that's going on. Um, and I think that's really important for like oh anyone really that's going through med like they need to know that you're on their side and that you're on their train to get better regardless whether it's fnd or anything else i think that's very important so it's, it's really reassuring you reassured me greatly hamish that there are physios out there that do it in such a way where you are on the, your patient's recovery train completely and that's marvelous to hear it's yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> um so in terms so you said you're relatively new into treating only within the last year or so um patients with fnd um yeah. how have you found it as a physio is it is it kind of has it been i don't know what i want to say but i'm <laughs> curious as to how you found it because obviously as the patients we find it sometimes very overwhelming and sure. a bit kind of daunting but as a medical professional as someone who's kind of new-ish into this area how have you found um it's 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 been i know yeah, i know jack has said the sort of journey wise it's uh yeah doesn't like the word journey but um, no, it does not <laughs> um but but um yeah i think i would agree in terms of it, it i had a little bit of experience with um when i was very junior and i was on a stroke ward and and i we had a patient there who, who someone said to me that they suffered a functional stroke but i don't think i really fully appreciated what that that really meant mm. um, i guess we're in terms of i haven't got a lot of um, sort of neuro background to, to the way i practice so we are more of a so physios tend to be kind of sort of um pigeonholed for want of a better word into kind of specialties um mm -hmm. and so i have more of a, a musculoskeletal background as opposed to a neurological background which i think is probably where most people would sit treating fnd yeah um but as I say, I think the pain management side has helped me in terms of sort of understanding a lot of the, the other factors that are helpful and, and tools that are helpful for, for managing FND. Um, it was weird. I mean, I went to a, a conference and one of the people talking there happened to be um, a chap called Glenn Nielsen, who works in, in, um, in London mm. um, and managing FND. And um, he was talking about FND and I was you know, sat and listened to it and I was like wow this is really really interesting and then as I say weirdly kind of a week or two later um, my psychology colleague came in to me with with my, this patient who had FND who he'd been seeing and said you know what do you think and I was like well I've been I've listened to a, an hour sort of chat on this so sure interested and so I went away and, and read some sort of as much research as I could find but again that's not not easy because there's not a great deal of of literature out there, certainly from a, a physio sort of aspect of, of no. physio management of it. So it's mm. very much, I think, generally in its in its infancy, certainly in the in the research world. Although that does seem to be improving, um, it, it definitely feels like it from 
I'll say as the patients in that are going through it, it does feel like there is more awareness coming through and that people both inside the medical profession and outside of it are becoming more aware of mm -hmm. FND and whilst there isn't like great uh, volumes of research into it the fact that people are willing to have the conversations mm -hmm. and to learn is a really good sign from our side I think. Yeah and I'm always really open with the patients that I see and that you know as I say I haven't seen lots and lots of patients with it and, and I always talk about it you know being a collaboration between myself and, and them and, and learning together about what things work and what things don't and there'll be some stuff that we find really useful along the way that we can take forwards and other stuff we can try it and they might find it it, it doesn't work for them mm -hmm. and I think the challenge is as you, as you said at the beginning is the myriad of, of presentations that FND can can sort of present with from one person to the next yeah. Um, so I think what, you know, I think anyone who tries to imply, implement the sort of one size fits all approach, it, it just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work. Um, so, I, so I think it is about, you know, trying things and some things that found really do work and other things really don't. And I think, I think from a physio point of view, one of the real challenges I think I find with it. So normally, if something was weak, I would say, "Great, okay, well, let's give you some exercise to strengthen that up." Or if mm. um, you know, if we're moving certain ways, then let's really focus on how we do that. And the thing I find the most challenging is to keep having to say to myself, "Is is almost kind of ignore that aspect of it because mm. we know that drawing lots of attention to certain movements that are finding difficult often makes that." harder rather than mm. easier and actually having to try and keep stripping it back to to really going after after function and tying it to tasks that are more kind of automatic or using different sort of distraction techniques or, or things like that to try and achieve the aim so I find it quite quite interesting quite like the, the challenge of coming up with sort of new and fun ways for the patients as well to kind of do stuff um, but it is hard because you say sort of that physio training background sometimes can be quite hard to to keep pulling yourself away from <laughs> that mind frame of no, like it's all right, we're, we're kind of we are on the right track, we're doing the right stuff. Yeah, and I think it's. I mean, I have had a couple of different um, physios, and I have ended up doing some very weird and wacky things, um, which I have shared with them. Um, my uh, social media followers asked yeah. the journey that I've been through and I've, I've done things like I've played football, I've been in anti-gravity treadmills, I've played hockey, I've done obstacle courses, I've done singing, I've done dancing and when you look at it you go well how is that physio related yeah. but actually what based on what you've just said actually that's the distraction is the the key almost. Yeah, it can be, you know, certainly for some patients actually being able to sort of almost just take the attention away from specifically what we're trying to work on. Mm -hmm. um, so, so just trying to kind of work on it from a slightly different angle. So it might be that, for instance, stairs or sort of lifting your foot onto a set might be the, the sort of difficult bit, but actually giving people the same kind of movement but is wrapped up in a different different way of thinking about it so instead of putting a step in front of them and asking them to lift their foot you know and specifically kind of looking at right bend your knee and lift your hip it's more kind of thinking well actually if i put a series of hurdles out in front of someone and just say right i want you to get to the end as quickly as possible mm. you're not asking them to lift their feet specifically but as part of that 
task, they might find that that is an, you know, an easier way of accessing it. Equally, it might, might not, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's, it's trying these things, isn't it, to, to yes. see what works for, for different people. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think um, that would be the best bit of advice I can give from my side is that when the physios ask you to do these weird and wacky things, <laughs> just kind of go with it. Don't yeah. try and fight it. Just kind of go for it and try. And yes, you might look ridiculous. I mean, there are some very ridiculous videos of me doing some really weird things. But actually, if it's because it's hidden within, if it was, so I believe I did hurdles at one point with um, my walking man, I call him. Um, and I think I had to try and walk over it backwards. And there's a video that I have of me trying to go over backwards. And I think now that you've said that, the link is that he was trying to get me to kind of lift my leg up enough but without focusing on that. So it became a game of could I get over it backwards and see how yeah. quickly I could do it. I mean, I failed it miserably in the video I've got, but actually for the sake of practicing it and looking silly for a couple of minutes, it may have just worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it, 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 you're absolutely right. I think it's about both people in that partnership in terms of the patient and physio, both going into it with with open eye and, and, and just being willing to try things and give things a go and as I say you know both being open to that because I think if one or the other party is and it, it makes it quite difficult so um, yeah just prepared, being, being prepared to try things and equally what I think is quite hard is, is trying not to be too disheartened when it when it doesn't work as well because I think that can be certainly tricky you're aware that you want to try things but equally you know that sometimes some people find that quite difficult when they can't then do it and that can add to the sort of um yeah and actually, rather than sort of seeing it as you fail it's more just about actually just say just us giving it a go and finding what works and, and what doesn't it's so it's yeah it's not really a reflection on on the patient it's more just trying to find the, the way in you know and, and and how we can access that movement I think the other thing is, is that when you're, um, I know when I was, in, I went in for physio, I was, we were in this big room and there were maybe a couple of other people and then you're seeing different people do their own exercises and it's important not to compare yourself and go, oh, well, I don't know anything about that person over there, but they're managing to raise their legs, so why can't I? And taking it as you are on your own journey, as much as Jack hates that phrase, I'm going to say it, you are on your own journey and actually... You can take inspiration from people, but you shouldn't compare how your progress to anyone else. It is your own progress. Definitely, definitely. And it's a big thing here. We do a lot with kind of groups of, of um, our kind of lower limb trauma patients and say the pain patients. And it's something we talk to them a lot about is, is use each other for, for kind of that kind of motivation. Recognizing that everyone is is different in terms of everything that they've got going on and their condition, you know, no two patients are ever the, the and it is hard not to, to compare yourself to the next person, but actually it is about yeah your journey and your your path to sort of rehab and and it is difficult when you see the other person who maybe came in after you and seems to be kind of progressing quicker um, mm. and that isn't isn't easy I'm sure but it but it is trying to kind of yeah keep the focus on what your goals are rather than rather than the person um, who, who else is sort of in there um, mm. I know it's something I've, I've battled a bit with because I've, I've kind of thought long and hard about whether we 
tried to sort of manage our that we don't get lots of FMD patients here, but we there's sort of a few that we we get whether we work them together or not, and it's it is that kind of if I bring them together, do do you know is exactly as you said, does that start to kind of happen in terms of you end up kind of comparing yourself to mm. each other? But equally, I felt it might be useful to have that kind of peer support as well. So it, I don't know, it's a difficult one to know which way to which well, way. Well, I. I'm, I'm quite happy to give you my opinion if you yeah, want. Sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> so from my side, I think if my physio said to me, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll have our sessions, but I've also got this group where there are, are other patients within the group with FMD where you can kind of chat and get to know each other and work together, mm. I think I'd be quite open to that. Um, because whilst there's a big community online of FMD patients, you don't tend to meet many in real life, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I think actually to go, you know what? I'm gonna. I've got a. I don't know, like a group every, every once a month or whatever it might be, and mm. I'm gonna go in and I know that people in there are going through the same sort of thing I am, even if it's not exactly the same. I think that would be really. You'd build that sense of community and support within mm. that group, and yeah. I think. You might have the teething problems at the beginning where you have people comparing and things like that, or they might find being in a room with other FND patients triggering. Mm. But I think actually to know that it's not just you yeah. and there are real people in your area that have the same thing, although their symptoms might be different, I think that could be really beneficial. Yeah. Um, just just my little two <laughs> My little two p on that. Glad <laughs> to move on now. Um, so, in terms of, um, so I had a question come in that said, "What can I tell a physio with no experience of FND to help them help me?" Sure, uh, it's a great question. It is a very good question, but I feel like it's a really big question. Yeah, I I think it's it's. Um, it's about them being honest with with you to bluff their way through it um mm. and, and not knowing but actually i think maybe sometimes kind of asking the question of you know have you come across fnd before and and mm. i or, and, and sometimes kind of if, you know if you haven't i've got some really great resources that i could sort of signpost you to that might be mm -hmm. helpful um, because yeah. you know, say it isn't necessarily widely known about, and certainly in different departments, depending on what their specialism is, yeah. um, they may not have. You know, say if it's more of an MSK, it must be a skeletal sort of department, um, which is probably more what most people would sort of come across. It might not be widely um, known about in the same way that if you went to a more of a neuro um, sort of department, it might be sort of better known about. Um, mm -hmm. Then I think it's it's say maybe going with with some some resources that you might have come across that you found helpful that you can yeah. discuss with them and and even kind of taking that information along with you and if you've yeah. got questions about it then that can sometimes maybe help to go through you know so 
I found this booklet online and, and it suggested this. What do you, what are your thoughts about it? And then sometimes having that conversation with them about that information. So there's lots of good resources out there, certainly that I found in terms of um, neurosymptoms.org, which is obviously kind of thing where most people sort of... We, we uh, love neurosymptoms. Yeah. Love it. Um, and they've got a, a great app as well that they've um, released as well um, that's really helpful. Um, that you can download on your phone and it goes through all sorts of different symptoms. So again, is that is that neurosymptoms? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I've not heard. I've heard of the website because that's what okay. I've heard to, but I've not heard of an app. Yeah. How interesting. Um, so there's an app that they released, which again is free. Um, so again, it's called Neurosymptoms. Um, I think it's FND guide, I think. Um, oh, okay. It's a, again, I think a lot of the information they got on the website, but it, on, on a sort of app basis, that's really helpful. Um, and then there are some research papers. Again, I say Glenn Nielsen um, is, is someone that, um, again, if they sort of Googled, he, he's um, written some papers um, in conjunction with other people and, and prof, uh, I think it's Professor Stone and uh, Edward, sorry, um, uh, again, who, who've written some papers as well. So um, it doesn't necessarily need to be kind of research literature initially, but sometimes just little articles that you go in if you've got specific questions, then than going through and as I say just being as open and honest with each other I think is the most important thing. I, I have just I just searched for that app it is called Neurosymptoms FND Guide I have just searched um, just because I was curious. Um, <laughs> thing though isn't it like if you're honest as, as, a, as a medical professional you expect your patients to be honest with you about um, the difficulties they're having I think it's okay for us as patients to kind of go well if we ask you the question, have you dealt with FND before and you say no, then that's okay. That doesn't mean we won't work with you. That just means yeah. at least then we know we're doing it together. Yeah. Um, and I, I would much prefer that than, like you said, you kind of bluff your way through it and you're kind of like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'll just kind of wing it and see what happens. Yeah. And I think people should feel empowered as well. If they find that they get um, referred to a physio that, that they don't click with, then actually mm -hmm. that they shouldn't feel... Um, that they can't speak to someone in that department and, and you know it's important that you phrase it nicely but but actually you know we've got to recognize that in normal life you don't get on with everyone that you you meet and actually it is important mm. that you you do find someone that you can collaborate with and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with their seniority or clinical experience or anything like that mm. it's just about finding someone that you you click with um, and so sometimes just either with that person or if you don't feel com comfortable sort of um, with that person to say it in front of them then ringing the department and speaking to the receptionist or saying and just saying that I had this session and I just wonder if it'd be possible to see a different physio just um just you know and say and, and yeah get on better with some um, trying to see if I get on better with someone else um, and yeah. I don't think physios should take that either because I don't say I don't think it's a a reflection on their good or bad practice and say it's just sometimes mm. we don't initially click for whatever reason with certain people and also going through as with any condition it's very personal yeah. um and i think you need that to click with that person so that you trust them mm. and you go you're on my side you're not doing this to catch me out you're not trying to prove whether I'm telling you the truth or not. You're just on my side and we are doing this together. And my successes are your successes and your totally. successes in helping me are my successes. And that's how we approach it. 
Yeah, completely agree. And, and yeah, I think it's the biggest thing is trust. So if you don't feel that you trust that person and you don't feel you can open up to them and be honest about what's going on, because a lot of the time, you know, not necessarily for everyone, but there may be kind of other things um, from a, a sort of mental health point of view or psychologically, sort of if you're feeling a bit low or a bit that kind of thing, then it's important that you're able to share that with them. Yeah. Um, so, so again, if you don't feel that you can open up, then I think it's important that you find someone that you, you can do that with. Hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so another question, are you loving all the questions so far, Hamish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so another question I got asked was, are there any, and you've kind of touched on this, are there any parallels to other conditions or is FND very standalone in terms of treatment? Good question. I think I would say it it is unique in terms of the different types of presentations that it can can present with, and the variability between sort of one day to the next in terms of how severe someone's symptoms may be. Um, but as I say, actually, when I look at the chronic pain patients that I see, again, their pain flares up and down. Um, some mm. people have pain in one joint, some people have pain in multiple joints, and, and you know, it can, can affect them in various different ways. So I do see quite a lot of parallels between chronic pain and, and FND to a certain extent, obviously not, not entirely. Um, and, and actually, again, in the way that we would manage people, um, help people manage with their chronic pain, a lot of it comes down to... Um, different sort of tools and strategies and learning to live with it um, in terms of kind of improving their activity levels, um, both looking to what they enjoy doing, what they like doing in terms of learning how to pace and set goals. Um, so there are quite a lot of parallels that are useful between the two worlds. And as I said, I think that's helped me sort of transition into sort of helping people manage their FND a little bit as well. Um, yeah. But I do think there's, there's obvious, obvious differences in terms of that element of, say, of keeping it very functional and, and distraction, which which are probably sort of set it apart slightly, although we do try and use the functional approach in some of the other rehab that we, we do too. Yeah. I mean, you just said the word pace. Mm. And I remember very, very vividly having conversations with my walking man about having setting like a pace and not trying to do too much too soon and taking it gradually and all that sort of stuff. And... I am not known for doing things slowly or steadily or anything. I tend to go all in or not at all. So I'm sure he found that very irritating and the fact that I could not deal with the fact he was going, and we're just going to do five minutes, not an hour, five minutes. And I'd be like, no, let's do an hour. Um, I do not think you're alone in that. I, uh, <laughs> I think certainly in the chronic pain world, but I would completely agree in, in a lot of the F and D patients as well. I think pacing is a very easy thing, and I always acknowledge that when I talk to patients, it's very easy for me to sit here and talk through the theory of it. I totally appreciate how much harder it is to go away and actually implement. Um, and time and time again, it's always the thing that I see people, you know, six months or twelve months sort of down the line, and how's things going, and it's always. Pacing is always the thing that people bring up as still struggling to, to quite get right because the temptation to just play that a little bit more is always just too much at times. And, and yeah, I, I will be the first one to put my hand up and say that that is totally what I've done. Um, and I'm sure my walking man is not impressed with that. But I just can't help myself. I just end up going just a little bit further, yeah. just a little bit more, and just do a little extra couple of minutes or whatever it might be just because I can. Um, I think also you you 
when you've been active before and then FND strikes and you lose your mobility or whatever condition it might be and it takes some of your mobility away, on those days where you can go for a walk or you can do something active, you jump at the chance to do it because you've lost it. Yeah. And you go, oh, I can suddenly do it. Right, let's go for like half an hour walk because you're like, I haven't got out of the house in months. Let's go for a walk. And yeah. I think on reflection, I probably shouldn't use that as my approach but i understand that it's very tempting well of course it is and let's say i totally appreciate how hard it must be as you say on those good days to rein yourself in and not not utilize that time that you you've got to do all those things that you've got that kind of pent-up frustration at not having been able to do or the sun's finally shining especially in this country and you, yes. you know, it's a nice day and you're finally able to get out or oh, let's go to the beach or let's do something nice for once and mm. and you know you, you might find that things fair and I, and I think there are you know exceptions where you can you know just say well actually today you know what I am just gonna gonna go for it and I don't have a huge problem with patients doing that but it's more about on a day-to-day -day basis trying to keep a uh, a uh, more of a kind of consistent level to, to help manage their symptoms and I say there might be certain things you know that you've got but you know you know what I just really want to do that and and you just mm. kind of accept that the, the payoff as a result for a few days maybe um but, mm. but yeah I think as a whole it's trying to keep that that sort of um, sustained sort of level um and one thing I think I found patients are really who find it difficult thing to recommend is is to have a structure to it as much as possible so i always talk to people about almost like they're going back to school and they have a kind of school timetable is to sit down at the weekend or, or one day a week and and just plan out your week and it can be as detailed or as rough as you want to make and it can be color schemed or whatever you want to do but um, it, you know <laughs> And just planning, right, what am I going to do when and when am I going to have some breaks, when am I going to have some downtime, when am I going to have to do a bit of relaxation or, or anything else that you want to kind of put in there. Um, just so actually you spread that activity out evenly. And you, yeah. you know, if you're going to go for a walk, you've already picked your route or how far you're going to go. Um, and it, yeah, the hard bits you say, though, is, is not going to be that extra five minutes. <laughs> Well, you know, it just might there might be something really tempting, like a cake or an yeah. ice cream five minutes down the road. I think it's um I mean, I've 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 been to the unit and things like that and they talk a lot about structure and um like timetabling your day and, and the teacher in me is thrilled that there's a timetable to my day. And I'll, I have noticed recently that on the days where I don't have structure, mm. I find it more difficult. But I always thought that was the time I was using to rest, so therefore I didn't timetable anything in. But maybe I need to reconsider that after this conversation and just consider my options again. It's, it's getting a balance, isn't it? Sometimes we can have too much rest and sometimes we have too much activity. And I think it's finding, mm. you know, finding again, finding what works for you and um, individual, yeah. you know, what do you notice makes you have more good days than bad days? And that's what yeah. we want to try and find, isn't it? You know, is 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 more and more good days and and you know the gaps between the bad days increasing um so, so yeah. we want to kind of help people find that that sweet spot um and okay things might disrupt that but but trying to to keep that groove of of 
keeping things under control because that way it's easier to make progress if you're constantly fighting against sort of flaring things up all the time it's hard for your body to, to have a chance to, to get better yes no definitely um so in t- so we've talked a lot a bit about like walking um and things like that because obviously that's my and I've, I've seen from the FND community that there there are people with lots of other physical symptoms. So I guess I obviously realise you can't discuss medications or anything like that. But have you seen variety of physical symptoms with patients with FND? I have, yeah. Um, so I had a couple of patients who who also had symptoms that affected their upper limbs, um, which I haven't had much um, experience with because we have an upper limb team here that I tend to. Um, sort of uh, work with and, and if they've got upper limb um, issues then, then my colleague in that team tends to um, support them from, from that side of things so I yeah. haven't, haven't done as much but again the basic sort of principles would would apply mm. um, we, we see people who, who can't you know move any of their, their legs and, and have got very limited activity and again trying to work on on very kind of basic um, stuff with them in terms of initially just looking at, at transferring and, and standing um, so yeah it's not necessarily all about about walking and, and sort of increasing things that way sometimes actually being able to transfer from from bed to wheelchair or, or being able mm-hmm. to, to transfer from your wheelchair to, a, to an armchair or again it, it makes big improve, um, impact on people's on people's functions so yeah so you've just mentioned a wheelchair and this is a complete tangent i didn't realize i was going to go down so please bear with me um so when i first went into hospital i was given a really funky walking frame that like went up to my arms and it had like handles that i held on to it was a, it wasn't like a zimmer frame it was tall i don't know if it's also yeah, know, but it was a tall frame. yeah yeah it was what a, a tall thing um and then when i saw my walking man he encouraged me not to use it because mm-hmm. I think he said something about it would encourage my brain to see it as um, and get reliant on it. Yeah, it's it's a really difficult one, walking aids, and I and I again I would not claim to to have an expert opinion on this either way. Um, from what I have read and my my understanding on it is is that we want to try and avoid or reduce using walking aids where we can mm-hmm. uh, but actually recognizing that in some cases if, if you know using a frame then allows you to have a greater level of mobility and um, that means you can actually then practice that at home then actually that might have its own own benefit so again yeah. i think it is a very much a case-by-case um basis and there's probably not a hard and fast rule yeah um, I think we are again trying to tap into that kind of automatic sort of movement patterns is what we're trying to look at. So sometimes by by using a frame, we might find that that makes that maybe more difficult, but but equally might not. Um, so I think yeah. it, it's finding again we go back to that kind of finding what works. I'm going to sit on the fence, um, find what works <laughs> for each patient. Um, and and I think sometimes it's trying it and if it works and that gives you more ability to then get around great um, but equally you know trying to probably get people off them as, as quickly as we can as well um, if they're sort of making progress with that. 
So, yeah. Yeah, a fine line, the one I, I keep sort of going back to my own head in terms of when to, to sort of use them and when not. I think yeah. it's a, a tricky one for us as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And I'm just going to make this fact we are not recommending listeners that you suddenly ditch your walking aids. No, you need no, them. No. Please use them. It is yeah. not it is not our opinion that you should suddenly now ditch them and not and go, I'm just going to walk and it's going to be fine. No. Please consult someone who works with you before you make that decision. We are just having a general conversation and that was about my experience alone. Just yeah. had some hard panic then. That I was yeah. 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 You told me to stop using my walking frame and I broke yeah. my leg. No, definitely a big conversation to have between you and, and your healthcare professionals that yes. you are rather than just doing it on the back of listening to, to my unexpert opinion. Uh, well, it, it is, but it's, even though you're saying you're not an expert, like the fact that you are willing to learn, you're willing to come on here and you're willing to talk to me and you're willing to share what you have learned so far mm. is really good. And the fact that actually you will put your hands up again. I'm not an expert in it yet, but you're still going off and you're doing reading is really reassuring. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is actually that, that I learn as much from, from the patients that I work with, you know, mm. and, and what they tell me as much as I do from any, anything else that I, I read necessarily. So um, again, I, I think it's why it's so important to have that open communication because actually it helps both of you learn more and develop more and understand more and, and being comfortable that sometimes we won't know the answer um, but yeah. being honest that you don't know the answer and, and sometimes no one has the answer but but yeah as i say it, it's um, i think just getting comfortable with with not knowing is, is the hardest bit <laughs> <laughs> getting comfortable with the uncomfortable yeah. that's what it is i think that's fnd stuff actually i don't think I don't think you can sum up any any nicer than that phrase. Um, I think it's just um, everyone's experience with FND is very different. Mm. Everyone's symptoms is very different, as we have discussed um, throughout this podcast. Um, that actually, it's important for the listeners to know that whilst we talk about things in abstract, um, anything specific for you, please do go back to your medical professionals and check. Oh, sorry, yeah, we've got uh, it's um, Allied Health Professionals Week, and there's a, oh. a climbing challenge happening outside, so please. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as long as as long as everyone's okay and having fun, that's the main thing. Um, I think, as as I was saying, like whilst we've talked about things in abstract and in general, always check back and refer back to your own medical professionals. Do not just take our word for gospel. Whilst I do have FND and Hamish is a physio, that does not mean we have all the answers, um, and we are still learning. So please just. Yeah. With a pinch of salt. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, well, I think I've actually managed to get through all the questions, and mm. I think we've done quite well. Excellent. That seems all right. <laughs> I think we've covered everything that people wanted me to cover. This is where I've got a really important question. And I'll be <laughs> later, being like, "You've missed this one out," and I'll be like, oh, "I'm so sorry." Um, but I think the key things from this are that um, distraction can be a great method to use. Um, especially when you're um, trying to focus in on a skill, whether that's walking or moving your arm or whatever it might be, distraction is really useful. Um, pace, oh, it pains me to say that, Hamish. Pace is also very important um, and not trying to tackle more 
then is kind of not necessarily needed, but don't try and take on a marathon, you know, yeah. just pace yourself on that one. Um, yeah. And that actually it doesn't matter necessarily whether your physio has years of experience or is still new. If you can have that open and honest conversation with them, then there should be no reason that you can't work together. And yeah. as I said, if you don't get along with your physio or it's not quite working, then it's okay to say that it's not working. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think that's the main point. Yeah. I think I've yeah, yeah. Up. Um, one thing I would just add is, is um, just around goals, really, and mm -hmm. and, and um, just the importance of having some goals, whether they're, they're short term or, or longer term, and just having a bit of focus about what it is you're trying to achieve and, yeah. and keeping everyone around you sort of so they know what your goals are so they can sort of support you with those so some people put them on the fridge or whatever so they know what people sort of what you're working towards that week mm -hmm. or whatever um, so some short-term goals certainly initially can be really helpful um, mm -hmm. just to kind of say give you something to, to be sort of working towards and, and give you that sort of sense of direction as well so yeah that's, that's see i knew i'd forgotten something and i hadn't written that down so that i'm really glad you said that because i think that's really important and also that whilst your your goals are personal your mm -hmm. goals are not you don't need to compare yourself to anyone else with fnd or not you are on your own journey i love that it's going to annoy jack greatly that i've said journey so much in this podcast um but it's your journey and it's personal to you and whilst yes you might see my videos of my walk now and you'll be like oh right i've got to get there i am two years into my journey um and if you'd looked at me right at the beginning it would have been very different and i think it's very easy to compare but please don't just see it as a source of information and knowledge to help you um instead of being like oh that's where i have to be i have to be able to achieve this in less time than she did or whatever it might be yeah um that was a bit of a rabbity sentence, wasn't it? I don't know where that came from, sorry. Um, it was going beautifully well until that point. Um, so thank you very much for your time, Hamish. It's Not much appreciated. Um, hopefully, guys listening, you'll find it useful. If I've missed any urgent questions, then I'm really sorry. I will attempt not to miss any at any other point. My apologies. Um, so yes, thank you very much for listening, guys. And thanks for being here, Hamish. And um, we'll catch you on the next episode. Done. Perfect. Great. Nice to talk to you again. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye-bye.